Research for what? Hello and welcome to Research for What, the podcast that discusses scientific research, its purpose and impact. I'm your host, Ron Bouvray. Each week, I will interview recognized thought leaders who share the same passion for science and research and invest the energy, time or money. We will talk about the challenges and opportunities for research. I'm also very keen to find out how experts define impact and what methods they use to measure it. Every week, I will ask the question, research for what? In this episode of Research for What, I'm going to talk with Erin Raymond. Erin is the Executive Director, Industry Engagement at the Queensland University of Technology and current Chair of Knowledge Commercialization Australasia. KCA is a big body leading best practice in industry engagement, commercialization and entrepreneurship for publicly funded research organizations. Erin, hello and thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks I know so much for having me. I know you're passionate about knowledge and technology transfer and putting publicly funded research outcomes to a good use. To get started, Erin, can you explain to me what is your role as Executive Director for Industry Engagement at QUT? Sure. So the Office of Industry Engagement at QUT is quite new. We were as of January this year. And the whole team of people within the office, our job is to try and ensure that QUT research is put to use. So that really has two sides to it. So one side is really focused around working with researchers, with leaders within QUT, and trying to ensure that we are able to work with industry. And when I say industry, I mean every non-academic organisation. So it might be a not-for-profit, it might be a government department, it might be an entrepreneur or a startup. And working together to try and identify the value of the research that we are doing and looking to source funding around it. So by being able to drive research income, we can actually hire more people and we can create more research capability and deepen our capacity in terms of researchers focused around a problem that is important to industry. So that's one side of it. The other side of the office really focuses around commercialization and impact. So when we're looking at that, what we're looking to do is to try and identify pieces of research that has been created by research groups across the university and identify whether there is something that is potentially patentable, so something that we can potentially seek some form of protection around, or it might be something that is just very useful. So these might be policy guidelines. These might be a piece of work that is important to create social impact. So that side of the team's remit is really to try and get QT research and intellectual property transferred from the hands of the university out into the hands of the stakeholders that can get that put to use. Right. Just to follow on what you've just said, isn't all research useful or how do you find the most useful research? So, yes, I think all research is useful, but it's useful to different audiences. So maybe I'll say that in another way. In terms of impact from research, there are multiple ways to create impact from research. Some of that might be academic impact. So, for instance, publishing papers in highly cited journals, you know, ensuring that you're advancing the academic community and scientific knowledge in a particular area definitely creates impact. And then the other side is creating impact outside of academic institutions. So this is either working with companies to create new products or services. It could potentially be working with government departments to improve service delivery, to take an evidence-based approach to how we are implementing changes within the structure of government or the economy, and really ensuring that wherever the 
organisation or individual is that can help move that research further. So create new products, new services, new jobs, new companies. We are able to work with those individuals and get that research transferred into their hands to then get it put to use in the community. So it can be quite difficult to evaluate research outcomes. And sometimes I imagine researchers would engage with you at a prototype stage quite early. How do you evaluate the research will have an impact later? So I think it's really about having a conversation about development pathway around a piece of research and commercialization, traditional commercialization, where you file a patent, you license to a company, you potentially get a financial return back is only one small slither of what we do in terms of trying to ensure that research creates impact in the external environment. So it might be that certain technologies are at the right stage for that. We can seek protection around those. But just because as a commercialization office, we can't necessarily file a patent on everything doesn't mean it's not useful and it doesn't mean that it won't necessarily create impact. It just might need a different pathway. Can you give me an example of something that doesn't need to be patented and can still have a huge impact? Yeah, definitely. So here in Queensland, so the Cancer Council Queensland, they might say broadly that their biggest success over the past few decades has actually been the Slip Slop Slap campaign. So the advertising marketing campaign that they did to make sure that people, when they went out in the sun, they put on a hat, they put on a shirt, they put on sunscreen. This has probably had one of the largest impacts in terms of public health policy for Australians broadly. So that's a great example of something that definitely didn't need a patent, but created a large amount of impact because it helped to change behaviour. And you work for QUT, so how do you demonstrate that the work prior to this campaign came from the university, or does it matter? I think in some aspects, if you're looking at university-based research, you really need to ensure that you are continually creating impact. So there are some ways that we do this in a more structured way. And so the Australian Research Council has an engagement and impact exercise that they ran for the first time last year, last 18 months, around trying to structure that in terms of some impact narratives, so some stories where we actually went through a process of this bit of research was done, the university then worked with these sorts of organisations, we transferred intellectual property, it was put into practice and here's the sort of impact it had. But those stories generally take a long time to develop. So, for instance, it might be that a piece of research was done in the early 2000s and perhaps it's only having impact now, which means that for all of these discussions, we really need to take that long-term approach and we have to appreciate that particularly in terms of novel, inventive, some of these new technological discoveries, they take a long time and they take a long time globally as well. So we have to become comfortable with that. At what stage do the researchers come to you to say, I've got an invention, I've got an idea? Or maybe a better question is, when should they come and speak with you? So we're continuously having conversations with researchers around some of the new cool things that they're working on. If someone has an idea, if someone has a potential link to an external partner, if someone is working in a collaboration with multiple institutions, we would always encourage them to come early. Sometimes it can be a 10, 15 minute conversation really early that can set you up in terms of a pathway for understanding just what those important checkpoints are. Other times it might be that we actually work with researchers to create deep industry partnerships and sometimes those new inventions or those new ideas might spring from those partnerships as well. So it's more from working closely with industry and being able to match different perspectives to solve a standard problem. Sometimes those are the points where you get some really clever and really interesting outputs. So I guess the basics is 
come early, chat often, and really it's a conversation that goes backwards and forwards and over a long period of time. And those are the most fruitful collaborations when we really have a good understanding of how things are moving, how things are developing. And that means that we might be able to pop in at a particular point in time and say, hey, maybe have you thought about this experiment over here? This particular data set might be really interesting. And then work together on forming a strategy around that. Right. So I think a main challenge in that process is to identify a real problem. And sometimes researchers haven't had the time or energy to look for real problems. So I haven't had the opportunities to meet people with problems, in particular in the industry. How do you facilitate this? So I, I think a lot of our role is to work with researchers and research groups uh, to understand how research might be applied in different industries. And also, I'm really fortunate because at QUT, a lot of the researchers have these long, deep relationships with industry. As a university of technology, they have been engaging in that same way for many, many years. And so in terms of the culture of the researchers within the university, there's not an apprehension to work with industry. It's something that's valued. It's something that people do regularly. And it's really part of that long-standing relationship. So for particular groups that don't have those deeper connections, it's up to myself and my team and a whole heap of people from across the university to try and identify opportunities and match people appropriately and particularly work with PhD students and early career researchers to understand what a training they might require, what are the tips and tricks, particularly around early stage engagement and how we can try and simplify that process for them. Do you also influence researchers? So you, you said you sometimes suggest experiments or projects. How much do you influence researchers? So I think that really depends, and it really depends on what sort of project or what sort of technology we're working on. In terms of suggesting different experiments or suggesting different data sets, often this is a conversation that comes from multiple points. So if we are working with researcher or a research group around a particular technology that we're looking to file a patent on, we might work with the patent attorney and the patent attorney might be able to suggest, hey, if I had data that looked kind of like this, that would be really interesting and supportive of the claims that I'm drafting. Or it could be that we chat to a key opinion leader in industry in a particular company or a particular field and they might say, hey, if I wanted a technology like that, I would need to know X, Y, and Z about it. So if you could work with the research group to try and put those experiments in place, that would then make that technology potentially more interesting to me. So those are the ways that we might influence researchers. And again, it's very much a partnership and a conversation. The researchers themselves are the absolute experts in the technology and the invention and in the discipline that they're working on. It's our role to take information from other sources and be able to pull it together in something that is useful and helps to further develop the technology, particularly if we're looking at a pathway that might need an external company to invest in it, or you're looking to seek formal protection through a patent. Right. So the traditional view of university is to educate students and do research. It seems at QUT, you don't have any issues talking about commercialization. And you're describing an environment where researchers are used to interacting with industries already. Can you comment on this? So I would say that QUT researchers are definitely used to working with industry, particularly in some of the more applied areas. In terms of commercialization, I think that can often be seen as quite a narrow field. And in terms of my office, so in terms of the Office of Industry Engagement, we're really trying to encourage people to think broader about that. 
So that's really about trying to create impact within the community. And by doing that, it might be that you go through a traditional commercialization pathway, but it might also be that you seek impact investment or you work with nonprofits around something that is able to create a lot of social good. It's working with small companies around trying to further develop environmentally friendly technologies, circular economy technologies. So I think in terms of the work that we're looking to do, it's really around both building capability, deepening capacity, and also creating impact through whatever makes sense for that particular technology or area of research. So commercialization doesn't necessarily have to be money coming back to the research team. No, definitely not. Commercialization in its broadest sense can simply be trying to create an outcome with the piece of research in the community. So in some ways, that might be a financial return, but in other ways, that might simply be through implementing health guidelines, for instance, or it might be through release of an app or a website that helps people manage their mental well-being over difficult times. So it's really about creating that impact. And by demonstrating that impact, you are then more likely, perhaps, to get further investment into the research program itself because you have demonstrated how you can take what was originally, for instance, an academic publication and then worked with external stakeholders to convert that into something that is then useful for the everyday person. Right. So, so many questions come to mind. The first one, how do you demonstrate impact and what impact should we have? Or how do you demonstrate impact? So I think that's almost asking how long is a piece of string. So impact can mean different things to different people. So if you're talking about a company, impact might be saving them money. Impact might be selling more products or more services. Impact might be increasing efficiency through new processes, through new technologies. But if you're talking about, for instance, a nonprofit, impact might be being able to reduce the cycle of homelessness. Impact might be ensuring that small children are able to access educational resources in an equitable manner. So in terms of demonstrating or being able to quantify impact, I think this is very difficult. So if it's a financial impact, it's often easier. But the way as a country we measure impact at the moment in terms of research impact is really through these stories. So being able to communicate to people what piece of research was done, how that was then managed, developed, transferred out to someone else or developed further in-house, and then how that created an impact in the community through new companies, new jobs, new products, new services, and then trying to put an economic value on that. The scientists and researchers do what they do because they want to have an impact. And it doesn't matter what, what type of impact that is. They really want to have an impact. And I think in terms of the focus around academic outputs and publications, I think these things are generally important for universities because they're often how we are judged internationally in terms of rankings, different citation numbers, but they only tell one half of the picture. So I think universities broadly have been going on a journey for the last many years around trying to ensure that we can have that balanced view. So in terms of technology transfer or knowledge transfer, the way that universities do that best is really through educating their students. And so through passing that knowledge on and for those people to go out into companies and industries and government, non-profit, and really take that information that they've learned from the university and transfer it further. So when we talk about knowledge transfer, the way that we're doing it around research outputs and being able to help commercialize and translate and create impact from research is just another way that universities might do that. 
Right. Why do you do it? Who is asking you to do it? Why do we have to justify the research we do in terms of impact? So I think that's both a, a personal, individual and organisational question. Yes. In terms of impact, as you've just said, a lot of researchers get into a particular field because they are passionate about it, because they want to see what they're doing in a lab or in terms of the work that they're doing. They want to see that out there creating the impact, and that's why they originally got into the field. So journal articles are one way of creating academic impact and advancing the field and enabling people around the world to take the information that they've learned and develop it further. And so what we're looking at doing is really trying to create impact through the transfer of technologies, through the transfer of knowledge into that wider non-academic community. So can we talk about this non-academic community? You talked about non-for-profit organizations, maybe private organizations, startups. Who do you work with mostly? It's really a mix and it's a broad mix across all of those groups. So some of them might be large corporations, some of them might be smaller startups, we work a lot with government departments as well, with nonprofits, with entrepreneurs. It really depends on the particular area of research and trying to identify what the partner needs to look like. What are the ideal features around a particular technology that might give it the most probability of success? And so that really depends on the field, that really depends on the technology or on the process or on the, the piece of work being developed. In terms of commercialization, if we're looking from a particular, say, a pharmaceutical sense, often because of the amounts that are required to invest in those sorts of technologies, it probably is more likely to be a large company. But a lot of that goes down to the fact that you need a lot of money to be able to further development in that in terms of clinical trials and regulation. So I would say we work with a broad range of stakeholders and it really depends on the particular discipline and technology to try and find an organization that makes sense to partner with. Right. Can you give me an example of when the government comes to you to partner with university? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it might be in a whole heap of different areas. We might work with national parks in terms of monitoring endangered animals in parks throughout Australia. We might work with the Department of Health around trying to ensure policy guidelines around aged care are appropriate. We might be working with Department of State Development around new industries, for instance, Space as an industry is definitely a hot topic and opening up at the moment with the creation of the Australian Space Agency at a federal level a couple of years ago. And so really ensuring government is really that third pillar in any of these conversations. So if you look at a triple helix model, it's an academic institution, it's government, and then it's industry. So all of those different parts are really important, particularly when you're talking about new structures, new industries, and trying to get you know, that transformational change. So you make it sound quite easy. We've got these three pillars, three partners. We put them together and things happen. Is it just that easy? <laughs> uh, no. So, so clearly it's, it's not that easy. But at the same time, I don't think it needs to be as difficult as people think that it might. And so from my perspective, that's all about understanding what you want the outcome to be. So trying to be very clear around if this was successful, the outcome would look like this and getting everyone around the table to agree on what that is. And so I think once you've got agreement on what a successful outcome might be and everyone around the table can see the value that they would get from that outcome and also the resources they would need to put into it, I think if you've got that, it then enables you to set up a pathway, put a strategy in place to work towards it. So I think if you're all on the same page in terms of what success should look like and you're all aligned in terms of how to make that happen, it shouldn't be as easy as sometimes it seems to be. 
Right. So how do you get people to agree on an outcome when obviously everyone has different incentives? Uh, they're evaluated on different criteria. An industry might have to make money. A government might want to have a social impact. Researchers, of course, want to have an impact, but also need to satisfy their career. I think in terms of the examples that you've listed, they're not all mutually exclusive. Right. Uh, so it's about trying to identify how to align things that will align, trying to make sure that there aren't barriers in place, that if someone wins, someone else doesn't lose. So trying to understand what that middle ground might look like and right. also understanding that what is the key barrier here that we would need to overcome for this to work. And if we can't get past that point, do we have the right group of people around the table? Should we look to try and find another partner that perhaps aligns better with the outcome that we've agreed that we want to achieve? So I think it's really just about trying to ensure that people align, that expectations are aligned, that you're very clear on that. Because often in these situations, it might be that it's really more miscommunication or a misunderstanding rather than people generally being running in two completely separate directions. It's often said that engagement between research, industry and government is very smooth in other parts of the world, for example, in the US or in the UK. And it's sometimes said that Australia is 10, 15 years behind. Is that true? I don't believe it's true. I think that there are a number of external factors that relate to that as well. So if I go to OECD figures from 2019 in terms of how much we spend on R&D domestically, so in terms of a percent GDP, Australia is at 1.9%. Places like the United States are at 2.5%. And places like Israel that we often point to in terms of, hey, we think they're going pretty well in terms of innovation, yes. startups, technology development, they spend 4.5% of their GDP on research and development. So, I mean, that's more than double what we do in Australia. So often the challenge for Australian institutions is that, well, it's a challenge and an opportunity, is that local investment in R&D is quite low compared to other countries in the OECD. And it's also quite low compared to the nations we look to and aspire to be like. So what that means is that we always generally think from a global perspective, we have to go overseas, we have to travel, we have to attend events and we have to visit large industry in their own locations because we are that much further away. In terms of Australian corporate investment in R&D, if you look at the top thousand companies and how much they spend, Australia's only got four on that list. And three of, or two of them are in medical fields. And number one is Telstra at 182nd in the world. And that's our number one. Yeah. So I think in terms of the external environment, Australia is in a very different external environment in terms of industry and corporate research and development spend. And that always has an impact on some of those other metrics as well. That's interesting because research is highly, highly regarded in Australia. And the trust and credibility in academic research is enormous. Yeah. Um, so how come we are not succeeding the way other countries? We're not necessarily as good as Australia is. What can we do better? So I guess I'd like to challenge the question. In terms of Australian research and the outcomes that we're achieving, I think the challenge is we're not actually selling those well enough. We're not telling enough stories. We're not putting this front and centre in terms of the Australian media environment. So if we look at some of the data around university industry research collaboration rankings, and so this comes from the Global Innovation Index, our ranking in terms of this university industry collaboration, we keep on slipping in terms of the table. However, at the same time, Australian business are investing more and more in 
Australian research at universities. And we can see this through some of the data collections that come back in terms of the higher education research data collection. So while companies might say we're not seeing or we don't think that this is a great environment to collaborate, they are investing more money. So often I think it's also about how some of that data is collected. Around this Global Innovation Index, the way that they collect the data to demonstrate whether university and industry research collaborations going well are being effective is they send out a survey. And that survey generally asks questions like, hey, on average, do you think Australian business and universities collaborate together? <laughs> right. And so when, when they take that data back and then we get the next cycle of the Global Innovation Index comes out and it says Australian research and business, they're not collaborating very well together, it's going down. And so the next time someone fills out that survey, they think, well, I don't really know too much about that, but I have heard about other places that are going really well. And I remember sometime in the last 12 months, there was something on the newspapers saying that Australian universities and business didn't collaborate that well. So I'll score that down a little bit. And it, it's really just this cycle that continues. So we need to get much better at selling our stories around positive outcomes and things that we're doing in terms of creating impact. And I think that would very much turn around those survey results. Right. So how do we do that? We just go out to the public and tell more stories, more good stories? It sounds like an easy answer, but it's actually quite difficult. And the reason for that is because we're always stuck in this 24-hour news cycle where often good stories, unless you exaggerate them or unless you you know, make them bigger and better and more amazing, often they don't have the same sort of cut through as other stories. So it's really about both trying to ensure that within the media, we are telling good stories and also at an individual level. So making sure that in personal interactions that we're having, that we're really demonstrating the great things that research is doing here in Australia. Right. I see a lot of young researchers, young scientists, very keen to talk about their work and they talk about it extremely well. Do you think there's a trend here? I mean, do you think things are changing? Should we yeah, rely I, on the I, young I, scientists? I think, I think we should rely on everyone, but I think it's fantastic that younger scientists are getting out there, are sharing their stories, sharing their messages around some of the fantastic work that they're doing. And I think we need to continue to develop those skills as well. I guess one challenge is that often we can't expect the researchers themselves to be able to do everything around this. Some people can, and they're amazing, and we should congratulate them, but we shouldn't expect every individual researcher to also be a communicator and also be the CEO of a startup and also be the first author on a nature publication. So I think as an environment, we need to appreciate the fact that researchers often have specific skill sets, and then we need to match them with other people that might have complementary skill sets to be able to get those messages out. Right. But I think one thing we can do to try and promote this is to tell people the opportunities that can be there in front of them if they start to engage. So what do you think, you know, can you give me two, three opportunities? Uh, what would you say to a researcher who's hesitating to try and promote their research and to try and have a try and engage with the industry, with government, non-for-profit organizations, individuals? What would you say the opportunities can be? Yeah, so I think there are many opportunities. And I think sometimes it's first about getting the mindset and framing that in a way that makes sense. So often I might initially speak to researchers about trying to approach different organizations for funding. And sometimes they might feel very uncomfortable about that. Right. Uh, so the way that I frame it is 
what we're actually doing is we're actually looking to build capacity. And the only way to build capacity is to hire people. And the only way we can hire more people is to get funding for them. So it's really about, it's not necessarily, hey, I need to go out there and ask for money. It's really, I need to go out there and I need to find organizations that are aligned with what my research looks to do, with how it looks to add value. And I want to be able to grow my research team. And so the only way I can grow my research team is to try and hire more people. And the only way I can do that, if I can be successful in attracting funding. Something I sometimes hear is, no, I don't want this money. I don't want dirty money. I don't want money from the industry, which I think, again, is changing. But how can we you know, make people more comfortable? And I like that what you're saying. It's about building capabilities. It's not about accepting money from someone who doesn't have a line expectations. Well, I think it's also about finding the right partner, making sure that the teams between the organization that's potentially providing funding and within the research organization, that they're aligned, that they get along. Because at the end of the day, it's really a person-to-person interaction. And it's about understanding how the research that you're doing and the technology you're developing, how that's going to create impact within that organization. Because the only reason why they're going to give you funding to be able to complete that piece of work is because they really value what you're doing and they really see how it can make a difference to their organization. And so they're looking at investing in that piece of work so that they can then make their organization more efficient, more profitable, you know, potentially hire more people at their end as well. So I think it's really about aligning those expectations and making sure that The conversation is around, hey, if we could create this outcome, this would mean this for us. Like, this would be amazing. We would be able to do X, Y, and Z. And just making sure that all members of that team understand that and are really looking to align expectations around what outcomes, what they should look like, how we're going to try and create more value, and how this will actually further a particular industry or a particular company and how that is potentially good for everyone. Right. I think this is interesting, very interesting, and I don't want to take a lot more time. But can I just ask, what is your biggest challenge? What do you need to do your work better or faster? Or is it going fast enough? What What is your biggest challenge? Uh, I, I think like um, most areas of an organization is a lot of the conversations that we have with researchers, so members of my team, members of you know, other areas of the university, it's very much based on a person-to-person conversation level. So often the challenge for commercialization offices or offices with teams that do the sort of work that we do is that there are simply too many opportunities for the amount of people that we have. We're very fortunate at QT with the new office and its establishment. We've got a really good group of amazing team members that are able to work with researchers and be able to put in a strategy to try and look to creating impact and building capacity. And I think sometimes the challenge is for organizations to resource that area appropriately. And the reason why that's a challenge is because it's really an additional part of what a university does. So it's not the research bit. It's not the teaching bit. It's really that we would call it third stream. So it's that third stream of creating impact of trying to transfer research out of the university, trying to create successful outcomes and impact with that research. Right. Erin, I've taken a lot of your time. I'm very grateful. I think I understand a lot more what you do. I'm getting very excited about your work. Thank you very, very much for spending time to speak with me. I hope our listeners will also better understand and put more, will come forward and and speak with teams like yours. Thank you very much, Erin. No worries at all. Thanks, John. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Research for What. To connect and find more information about this episode, check out researchforwhat.com. Until next week. 
Research for what? 